The fear of the Lord is a good thing, it's not bad. Because if it causes you to run to Jesus for mercy, I'm doing my job right. But this morning, um, before we go into the word, I had um, a picture that um, I got this morning. And I just want to share before Pastor Wade preaches. Um, And it was, I could see it, it was like an overhead view. And I could see, and it was a long wall. And there were many, many, many doors on this wall. And each... Um, and there was a, it was a long, long wall. And as I could see, there were many doors into the wall, but there was only one door on the other side that made it to the other side. And as I looked closer on the wall, they were very gaudy walls. They were like, it was kind of like, pick me, pick me. I'm the right way. I'm the right door. I'm the right door. And there was one door I could see, and it was the door, it said Repentance. And I saw someone go in, and it was kind of like, if I repent enough, maybe I'll get into heaven. Maybe I'll be in relationship with God. And it was like, oh, I just got to repent. And anything that comes to me that I've done wrong, oh, if I just repent it, and I'll throw it off. But the person who went through the door, there was just no peace. It was just like, oh, I just got to keep repenting. I keep on repenting, keep on saying the prayer. And so they were in the, and there was just like, there was no assurance of salvation. And so they left the door, and then they were looking at the other doors, and they were like, which one is it? And there was just a confusion about what the gospel is. And there was just one door, just one door, and it had Jesus written on it. And that was the only door that led. From the one side, you could see that, oh yeah, Jesus is the only way. But from the other side, there was just such confusion. And I just... I just want to leave that there because I think Pastor Wade is going to expound on it. We just want to welcome Pastor Wade up to preach. It's already quarter past eight, guys. Yes, bless you. Let's just pray and then we'll uh, just spend some time in the Word before we head home for the rest of our week. So, Father, we just thank you tonight for your love. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is clear. Thank you, Lord, that there is liberty. Thank you, Jesus, that you do heal. Thank you that you can heal so deeply that you change our nature and you make us, make us right with you. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you with our lives, with our bodies, with our eternity. And so, Lord, come and... I pray all confusion in the name of Jesus to go. Lord, confusion isn't from you. So I pray that you would bring your peace and clarity of mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight for just a couple minutes, in fact, this this morning, Pastor Claire and I were on our way up to um, Swansea and how many of you guys have ever ridden with Pastor Claire? Anyone? You guys know how fast she drives? Yeah. So I was looking to see if there was any. And, and just going to say, this struck me about tickets. You know, Christian can get tickets for speeding? Yeah? You know that. Fair enough. Well, do you, do you, know, do you know why Christians can get tickets for speeding? Because they believe they're above the law. 
Okay, there's a spiritual connotation to this. You say, well, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. I agree with you, unless you walk in darkness and then the law has its work. The law is made for the rebellious. So although we're not under law because we're under grace, it doesn't mean I do whatever I want. Yeah, does that make sense? It's a, see, it's a misunderstanding of grace. It's a false idea, a false attitude towards grace. The, another reason is, is we don't think anyone sees us. Right? You think you're the one. And yet the Bible tells me that there's nowhere I can go where he doesn't know and his presence isn't there. And so even when I go into my hiding place, wherever yours is, he sees you. So there is no place I can go where he isn't aware or he doesn't know. We think I won't get caught. The Bible actually speaks of it the other way. It says your sin will find you out. And it'll always find you out the most inconvenient time. <laughs> it will. It'll come out in the last in the worst possible moment, it'll show up. And it's like it's compounded because of the timing. The fear of the Lord is a good thing to have. It's a gift from God. And it's, it's clean, it's pure. And the fear of the Lord is a, is a wonderful gift by His Spirit that stops you from doing secret stuff in secret places, thinking that I'm in the dark and no one sees. Thirdly, we don't really believe in judgment. <laughs> we, we, we really, in fact, in, Scripture says in the latter days, scoffers will come. And they'll say, well, where is his coming? And things have been like this forever now. This is Second Peter, I think, chapter 3. And it, it, says, it says in the scriptures that what happens in, is that they willfully forget that the world that was, was actually drowned in water. And, and this is New Testament now. This is New Testament. People say, well, God won't do that. Actually, I agree with you. He won't drown in water again. It actually says it'll be by fire. And judgment will come. You think, well, I'm a Christian. And there's no judgment that will touch me. <laughs> If you walk in light, there's no fear because fear is to do a judgment. But if you're going to play fast and loose with God, can I say that's a dangerous place? I don't want to get heavy tonight. It's been a wonderful evening. And God has poured out grace upon you tonight. Uh, really, he really has. But sometimes we get this concept, I think, when some of the ones who were praying earlier about those that are like, well, I'm Christian, but I just live my life my way. There's just like no fear of the Lord. There's just like no... See, grace comes for the purpose of transformation. See, God's grace in your life isn't just his unmerited favor in the sense that he's willing to give me forgiveness, which he is, but grace comes for the transformation of your life so you walk differently. That's the evidence of salvation. We talk about it. In fact, our pastor here from Sozo, that's, that means salvation. It's a Greek word. It means to deliver, to heal, to set free, um, to, um, to, to, to keep safe. And, and this, this idea, though, but it brings a transformation of your heart so that you are different. 
See, sometimes we think it, del- it, 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 it sets me free from what's happening around me. So my circumstances change. You know, the argument that the devil brought to God about Job was that he only follows you because of what you do for him. Because of what you give him. Because no badness can, you've got a hedge around him, God, nothing can touch him. That's the only reason he loves you. That's the only reason he follows you. And God says, you want to bet? See, real transformation inside. So even if everybody else around you has a go, you're not responding in likeness. You're not saying, God, why is this happening to me? Because, um, or I'm not going to follow you anymore because this stuff's happening around me. See, it's when the test comes, when you're facing the cancer. You're facing the doctor's report, and you're like, why is this happening? And I understand that. There's, there's questions that go to the wind. God doesn't, it's not bothered by that. But when we accuse God and we say, no, I won't follow until you do this for me, that's tempting God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 warns us about doing that. Can it be straight? See, this is real. Because every one of us goes through our own junk, yeah? You don't know what I go through. I don't know what you all go through. Sometimes you share it. But if when you're going through it, you're asking God, if, if you're real, then you should. Really? I was on the street sharing the gospel, and this one lady came up to me, and she said, I don't believe in your Jesus. I said, okay. I said, well, is there a reason? She goes, I'm going to be, this is quite sensitive, but she shared it. She said, my baby died. I said, I prayed, and my baby didn't get healed, and my baby died, so I reject the fact that there's a God. I said, okay. I said, um, did you believe in Jesus back then? She goes, no. I said, oh. So you didn't believe he was there. You rejected him, you're an enemy of his, and when you called, you expected him to answer your way, when you wanted, how you wanted, and now you're mad because he didn't. You say, well, that wasn't very sensitive, Pastor Wade. She says, I never thought of it that way. See, sometimes we make a demand on God where we expect him to do what I want, when I want, how I want, But actually, it's the other way around. His demand is on you. (laughs) You were made for him. You're his possession. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains and everyone who dwells therein, it says in Psalm 24. You're his by creation rights. Oh, that that touched. I'm going to say it again. You're his by creator rights. He has a right over your life. And please hear me. He has a right to demand... I know in this culture we don't like that idea, but he has a right to demand your obedience. He's the Almighty, and what are we? We're dust. Little piece of clay telling the Almighty what we think he should do. That's foolish, isn't it? When I grew up in the Chicago area, we had these kids that were called gangbangers, and there's nothing... They were, they were kids, you get 10-year-olds, and they're like, they're, they would often carry a piece. They have it under their belt there, and they had this attitude where 
They just like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? And, and they would so get in your face. It's like you could smack them around. Sorry, but you could smack them around. It wouldn't make a difference. Their attitude of heart was that kind of rebellion. Can you imagine when a 10-year-old gets to be an adult, what they'd be like? But we do this with the Almighty. We're like, this is my turf, man. This is my life. What right do you have to it? Because the breath that you're breathing was a gift from him. He sustains all things by the word of his power. What right do you have to tell him what you think he should do? You see the arrogance? The pride? The gracious thing about God is he's slow to anger and he abounds in loving kindness. It's like when your kids come up to you and they're like demanding you to do stuff and you're just like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm the parent, you're the child. By the way, that is the way it's supposed to work. Yeah? I know our little girls, they got us around their pinky, right? But if you don't be the parent in the situation, you're gonna destroy them. So you, you, you need to be the parent. I know we wanna be our kids' friends. You can do that later on. <laughs> but you need to be parents when they're young, please, for their benefit, for their good. But our God is slow to anger and he abounds in loving kindness. And instead of treating us as our sins have deserved, Christ came. Instead of him kind of going like maybe you've wanted to do with people when they're being a Karen, <laughs> or you want to just kind of, Smack them, but you won't because you're Christian. <laughs> Instead of God treating you as you've deserved and wiping you off the planet. Instead, in love, God became man and dwelt among us. Instead of him taking you out of life and putting you in a lost eternity in hell forever, he's given space. In fact, I just want to read that verse and then we're going to kind of bring it to a close. I, I, this is just a, a brief word tonight, but I want to go to that passage in Peter 3. Is it, I'm trying to remember, forgive me if I'm... Yeah, it's Second Peter 3. And maybe we can put verse 9 up on the, the screen for me, if you don't mind, Douglas. The scriptures say the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's talking about Jesus coming back, God fulfilling all things, bringing judgment on the ungodly, and saving those that are his. I'm just going to say, God has a way of reserving those that are his um, uh, in righteousness. He's able to keep them. And in the same time, he's able to bring judgment upon the ungodly and keep those that are his. He can do both of those at the same time, the scripture says. But there are people who wonder, well, God, how come you haven't returned? Ever wondered why Jesus has taken 2,000? This is the last days. Why has it taken 2,000 years to be the last days? No, you haven't wondered, I have. Why? 
God hasn't forgotten his promise. God isn't unfaithful with his promises. God isn't slack. It's not like he's kind of taking a nap and like I forgot. You know, like we can do, guys, you do it with your spouses sometimes. Will you clean that up, honey? We say, yeah, I'll get to it. And we forget completely about it. God, well, Matt, he's bragging back there. Bless you. I'll ask your spouse. Where is she? (laughs) And the thing is, is that God's not slack concerning his promise. Please hear me. He will bring everything to culmination. Everything. Jesus said when he comes back, he says, my reward is with me. To to those who have done right and those who have walked with him in light, there's this, and and that's only because of the gospel. That's because they entered in through him. But they're able to live this life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Those who follow me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And they walk that way. He brings his reward. So even the sacrifices that you make as following him, sometimes there's a cost. No, not sometimes, there is a cost. And if you're going to ministry, if you go in like, I want to serve the nations, there's a greater cost, but it's worth it. And when he comes back, his approval, one of the things he says, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. The scripture says, not one of his words will ever fail. And that uh, heaven and earth will pass away, he says, but my words will by no means pass away. So if he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant, you will hear those words ring throughout all eternity. And every time they do, they're going to encourage your heart again. His word is living and active. But he's also bringing judgment upon the ungodly. Don't be mistaken. God is no fool. He's not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, righteousness and eternal life. But he's not slow. But the reason there's time Scripture says it. It says he's not slow concerning his promise. He's not slack as some count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering. He's patient. He's putting up with people. He's putting up, may I dare say, with you. You know, when we think, I'm going to be blunt, this, sometimes we think God's asking me to do something as a, God's asking. Can I say to you, very seldom does God ask? He says, do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, I know, he's my, I'm a friend of God. Jesus said, you're a friend if you do whatever I command you. Yeah. Not where we're on equal terms, Jesus, you're my bud. <laughs> he's the Lord of glory. And when he says, do it, what should we do? Do it. Some of you wrestle with God. There's a wrestling with God that's good. There's a wrestling with God where you're taking hold of him and you're not letting go until you have what you've requested. Until you've, you're like the woman who took hold of Jesus' garment, the hem of it, and she's like, i got to get a hold of him. And like Jacob who's wrestling with God, and God said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Wonderful. There's another kind of wrestling people do where it's like I'm wrestling to go my own way. Can I say that's not a war you want to win? That's not a war you want to win. You don't want God to say, fine, go on. 
Judgment isn't just like fire out of heaven. Judgment is when God says, go your own way. I won't stop you anymore. You'll ruin everything. Does that make sense? And so when God says something, he wants your obedience. You say you love him because you've seen the cross. He gave his life for you. He bled for you. We sang the song earlier in the night. He poured it out, his life unto death for you. His, his blood that he gave on your behalf, that he paid for your wickedness, and he took it on himself. He's the Holy One of God, and he took your unholiness, and he bore it in his body on the tree. Your rebellion, Jesus never rebelled against the Father. Your rebellion, he took it on himself and took the consequence of your rebellion when the hammer of justice fell. When God's hammer of justice fell upon his son and he paid the price on your behalf, he paid it for you. Your, your so-called wisdom where you think doing your way is better than doing God's way, Jesus never did that but he took the guilt and the shame as though that he had. The perversion of people. Some of the stuff is just absolutely, it's, it's, it's embarrassing and cringeworthy even to name it. And the stuff people do in secret. Again, they think nobody sees. And Jesus bored in his body as though he had that filth he had done. And he took the consequence of your sin and he bore it. And he cried out, it is finished. He was crucified and he died. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The Bible says we love him because he first loved. So, so if you love him, can I just say obedience is the, the natural outworking or the supernatural outworking of love? You say, Lord, I trust you for my eternity. I just won't trust you for now. That's a contradiction. You can't trust for what you can't see if you won't trust for what you can does that make sense? But see, he's taking time with you. He's being patient, long-suffering. It means what it says, long-suffering. You say, well, does God really feel that? Okay, you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, when God is hurt in that way, it doesn't weaken him. It's not like the ideas of the Greek gods or the, the, um, the Viking gods and all that kind of, that's just weird, that's just, that's nonsense. But when God, he still feels, he knows, he, he, in that sense, there's a weeping that goes on with those who weep, there's a rejoicing that goes on with those who rejoice. He says that when, 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 when one person repents, there's a rejoicing in heaven. The joy of God is released. You know, God's never depressed. That's a side point. There's joy, but there's also a weeping. When Jesus was in the world and Jerusalem would not repent, he came to them. He says, I've wanted to gather you, but you won't. He said, now all of the blood from righteous Abel all the way down through is going to fall on you. Yeah. 
He didn't do it willing. That's the end of his ministry. Just before he goes to the cross, time had run out. There's long suffering. Can I say, God is patient. His patience isn't eternal. There is a day. People say, well, when is Jesus coming back? When is judgment coming? Um, I don't know. We're closer now than where we've ever been. The signs are there. But um, there will be a last day. There will be a last day. For some of you sitting here, I, I hope the last day, you see, because we don't just have to wait till Jesus comes back. That last day can be yours last day. I'm reminded Mary of Jim and out riding. He's just doing like he probably did every other time and riding the ponies and racing and stuff. And then he ends up in the coma. And for him, it would have been his last day if Jesus hadn't intervened and raised him from the dead. But for some of you, your last day, I don't know when your last day will come. The Bible says it's given unto men one time to die and then judgment comes. Say, Pastor Wade, you're frightening me. I hope so. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's not bad. Because if it causes you to run to Jesus for mercy, I'm doing my job right. For some of you, you have family members. You literally think everything's just gonna continue on like it always has. I'm, I'm telling you, please hear me. It, it doesn't. I had a text today, someone sent me one saying, this person died in a car accident. I think you know them. I haven't looked at the text yet. Is it a scam? Okay. It's not a scam. Oh, she's been hacked. Okay, praise God that that hasn't happened. But I looked at it and I thought, I wonder who it is. I didn't want to look at it tonight before, before preaching. I, the reason it would grab you is because you know it's true. It could happen. You have family members, children. They're like, oh, they've got time. They're just little. I remember when I was in junior high, I remember Stephen Tobias was his name. And it was Christmas break at school and he went to go to the, hosp to the, pardon, hospital, to the airport to see his grandparents. He was 12, like me. He didn't make it home from the, from the airport. His heart exploded. He got so excited, all the adrenaline, whatever, his heart exploded. They didn't know there was a problem with his heart. My friend Pat, we lived on the streets together. He shot up a quarter gram of crystal and drank a pint of Jack Daniels and went for a drive and wrapped a 72 Ford pickup truck around a palm tree. And I had to identify him while he was still there. Things happen, they do. There is a last day. I hope you have hundreds of years. <laughs> Bless you. But the stats on that one are 100%. God is long-suffering. And, and I'll say this to you, that if you're here tonight, 
It's because God's orchestrated events together to get you here so that he could speak to you directly. He's done miraculous in front of your eyes to verify the reality of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God. And the gospel itself where Jesus is willing to forgive you and make you acceptable in his sight because of his work, his death, his resurrection, he's willing to give it to you as a gift. You need to come to him. Repentance is part of the process, but it's not the repenting that saves, it's the blood that brings the forgiveness. <laughs> he gave his life for you. But God is patient. He's long-suffering toward us. It says in the scriptures here that he's not wanting people to perish. It says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, some people have confused this passage thinking of what's called universalism. That means everyone's going to get saved. That's a lie. That's not what the text says, and I'll explain it to you. But there are those who say, there are those who believe that even Satan himself is going to come to repentance. My Bible tells me that he'll be cast into the lake of fire, tormented day and night. The smoke of it will rise. So that isn't the case. When it says that God is not willing, in the text it means God is not actively desiring that people perish. Do you know that God doesn't rejoice in the destruction of the wicked? We do. We do. <coughs> we watch Die Hard, and we're like, yeah, get him. But God doesn't. God does not rejoice in the destruction of the wicked. He is not actively desiring, willing that people perish. That's why he's, that's why he's slow. That's why the slackness as it appears to be. That's why he's giving time. That's why he's giving space. Where the word says where he, he wants them to come, that they should come. That means the potentiality that they ought to. It's reasonable in the mercies of God. It makes sense. He's the creator of all things. I'm going to die and step into eternity. I better be in right relationship. It's his house. I should come to repentance. That, 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 the word for come there, it's the idea of, of space. You got something over here and something over here, and it's a, a wide open space. It's, it's like into the word where we get tapas, where like maps and stuff, where there's a space. And he's given space for you, for you to repent. Not just you, but those around you. Those across the world. Those who've never heard. I need to decide for just a second as we finish. Because some of you, you have believed. You have put your trust in Christ. You, you know where your destiny is. You know the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know what it means to walk with Him in light. You know you belong. You understand the gospel, so sharing it isn't a difficulty. Maybe God's gifted you with power gifts, gifts of healings, or words of knowledge like we saw tonight. But you're still sitting on your duff. And there's other people waiting because God has given space for you to fulfill your calling so you can speak to them. 
I'm not having a go. Can you hear their cries? They're lost and they don't even know why. Yes, they're rebellious. Yes, they can be wicked, even evil. But they're lost. And just like Jesus came and got you and showed you in the midst of your mess and your pit and, and your rebellion, and you heard the gospel a number of times even before you responded, but just like them, just like you, that they need someone who will go and speak or someone who's going to tell them. You don't even have to go across the world. I think of some of you guys in the businesses that you have and how collecting the, 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 the scrap puts you in contact with all these different people. You got to know what the gospel is, stand on it. What they're saying makes no relevance because you're calling all men everywhere like God to repent and come to Jesus. But God's given space just like he gave it for you. They're out there. We can't do this. This wavering, wobbling stuff. There's too much at stake because the time is running out. Yours is, mine is, Pastor Claire's 50 now. She looks good though, I have to say. We've only got so long. And tonight, maybe you haven't availed yourself of God's grace and mercy for transformation. You're still living terminal velocity right for a lost eternity, thinking it's fun. Whether it's religious or whether it's partying or maybe it's just apathy, couldn't care less. But tonight I'm gonna to say to you, God is speaking to you through me to be reconciled to him. Don't wrestle your way through, just repent, come, humble yourself. Lord, I'll trust in you. You save me, you're sufficient to save me. Jesus, you're the son of God, you're the Christ. I trust in what you did. Your, your work's enough for me. And I turn to you. Save me, rescue me, heal my life. It's a wreck. Rescue me, Lord Jesus. I, if you've not called upon him, you need to. It's not just gonna kinda he says it's a confession of our faith and what we believe that God raised him from the dead. We confess him as Lord by surrendering to him. You can't say yes to Jesus and say no to his ways and purpose for your life either. Say, Jesus, I don't mind the heaven bit, I just don't wanna follow. That's crazy, isn't it? That's odd. I know it makes sense when you're trying to wrestle it through, but he purchased you. And he says it's time to come home to him and stop the, God's not slack concerning his promises. He is patient, he's long suffering towards you, towards those across the planet. He's not willing, desiring that people perish but that all of us should be those who have come to repentance. I believe in preaching the gospel. I believe it's the means by which the 
great commission takes place, uh, fulfillment of it. God takes the simplicity of the message preached and he saves those who believe. I don't know if you've believed. Say, how do I know if I believed? Because something changes in you. It's like when Michelle said that when she had prayer, she felt the reality because faith had risen in her heart. She believed God, something had changed. You gotta stay there. Don't waver, <laughs> stay there. And Lord, I'll trust you, I continue to trust you. You're sufficient for me. And the confession of your mouth, that Jesus, your Lord, your, I surrender to you. And he saves completely. And he transforms you. <laughs> Everything around you may not change. In fact, some people might get really ticked off. I've seen it. People have come to faith and others around them are like, how dare you? Paul delivered that little girl who was at a demon dinner and everyone else around her was absolutely enraged that, that she got delivered as a believer. You're like, oh, that's weird, why? Because people are darkened in their understanding. But for you, if you know your heart and life is secure in him, that's when you really start living. Let's pray. Father, we just bow in Jesus' name and I wanna pray, Father, first for those that are wrestling with you and not in a good way. They're fighting, Lord, to do their own thing, thinking they're wise in their own eyes. And I pray for the freedom, Lord. I pray for clarity now in Jesus' name. You'll cut through the lie and, Lord, the confusion and you'll bring your truth and you'll bring release. Lord, I pray for some even tonight, the reality of the cross would dawn either for the first time or just even again upon their heart. And Lord, the humility and the humbling and the, the love and the, the beauty of the cross would touch them afresh. I pray, Father, for help in us that do believe that we'll not carry an attitude where things are just gonna continue on the way they have. The Lord will be found faithful before you to, to speak, to open our mouths, to pray, to call others home. That you would use us, Lord, to see others come to faith in Jesus. You'll help us to proclaim. You'll help us to lay hands on the sick and not to be afraid to, to walk in a consistent way so that our testimony is not hindered. That Lord, we won't get Christian tickets because of our attitude and mindset. But will those who walk with you in light. And we pray for us as a church collectively. We pray, we thank you for all those that are involved and engaged in speaking to coworkers and those that are out on the streets and those that are, Lord, in their business, they're just talking to whoever you bring across their path. And we just pray blessing on them in Jesus' name. We pray encouragement, protection over their minds as they face various philosophies, various spirits who would try to deceive. I pray, Lord, that just the clarity and the genuineness of the cross and of the simplicity of Christ will be their framework of mind. And Lord, they'll be able to, with wisdom from heaven, to, to deal with arguments that exalt themselves against knowing you.
And we pray, Lord, as we even go forward for a rise, we pray for the servants and those who have a heart for it and the speakers and our family members that aren't yet saved for children that are still at a, a distance from you or even those who've made professions but they're just not walking it out, Lord. We don't want falsity, we want the real thing for their lives. And so, Lord, we just ask your blessing tonight. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for restoring. Thank you for doing wonderful things for us tonight. And we give you all the glory. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being long-suffering with us. And we pray, Lord, you would visit with your salvation and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.